coming up to Christmas, it would be appropriate to speak on something to do with a Christmas story. But rather than focusing on what we traditionally focus on at Christmas time, being the nativity, uh, you know, Jesus, Mary, Joseph, the manger, animals, etc., etc., wise men, shepherds, I thought that I would take my text today from the first chapter of the Gospel of John, which I believe is one of the most profound pieces of truth uh, in the Bible. So I'm reading John chapter 1, just a few verses, picking it up from verse 1. And it says, In the beginning, the Word already existed. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. He existed in the beginning with God. God created everything through him, and nothing was created except through him. The Word gave life to everything that was created and his life brought light to everyone. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness can never extinguish it. And then if you go down to verse 10, it talks about uh, Jesus, who came into the very world he created, but the world didn't recognize him. He came to his own people, the people of Israel, and even they rejected him. But to all who believed him and accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. They are reborn, not with a physical birth resulting from human passion or plan, but a birth that comes from God. So the word became human and made his home among us. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness, and we have seen his glory the glory of the Father's one and only Son. From his abundance we have all received one gracious blessing after another. For the law was given through Moses, but God's unfailing love and faithfulness came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, but the unique one, who is himself God, is near to the Father's heart. He has revealed God to us. I said to our church a few weeks ago, I felt like I could... Uh, speak from these verses for a whole year and still only kind of scratch the surface of the amazing depth that is revealed here for us. I'm going to start with a few comments on the last verse that we read from John chapter 1. No one has ever seen God, but the unique one who is himself God, talking of Jesus, is near to the Father's heart, and then he has revealed God to us. So in other words, if we want to know what God is really like, all we have to do is look at the person of Jesus Christ. And, and particularly in the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, in the New Testament, reading there the stories of Jesus, how Jesus spoke, what he said, how he interacted with people, so on and so forth. By looking at Jesus, we get to know what God is really like. And that's important because before then, people often kind of thought of, well, what what God is like? What is God like to me? Uh, often they would see God through their culture, through the time when they lived. Um, and, and what we see in the Hebrew scriptures or what Christians refer to as the Old Testament is not what not just what they thought God was like, but also how God met them, where they were at. But then he took them on a journey. This is referred to as the arc of Scripture or the trajectory of truth, that truth is actually going somewhere. It's going on a journey. And in this message, I just want to share with you briefly about a couple of examples of where we see this arc of Scripture, how God is meeting people where they're at and then taking them on a journey to where he wants them to be. In other words, leading them into a fuller 
truth and understanding of what God is really like. So I'm going to look at two examples from the Old Testament. Uh, The second of them is the warrior God, but I'm going to start with the first, and that is blood sacrifices. And when you read the Old Testament, if you're anything like me, I mean, some of it is absolutely amazing, but some of it you read it and you go, oh my goodness, it's like they're having blood for breakfast, you know, all they're ever talking about is sacrificing this, that and the other. And, And it can be quite confronting. And so let's start looking at these blood sacrifices. There's a story in Genesis chapter 22 that many people have looked at and really kind of rolled their eyes and then walked away from God because it's a confronting story. In Genesis 22, we find the story of God asking Abraham to sacrifice his son Isaac. Now, he heard a voice, right? God said from Genesis 22 to Abraham, take your son, your only son whom you love, Isaac, go to the region of Moriah, sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on a mountain I will show you. Now, I've got to say, if I heard a voice like that, I have three beautiful daughters, right? My eldest daughter is 22. My middle daughter is 19. My youngest daughter is 12. And, and if I heard a voice be it God or anybody else that said sacrifice one of your kids, I would say a resounding no. I I am not going to do that. And I would be right in saying no, because in our society today, something like that obviously would be a criminal event. I would be arrested and, and put into prison, and rightly so. But we're talking here about a time that is early second millennium before Christ, so this is a t- it's over 4000 years ago. This is ancient warrior tribe society. Abraham was called out of a a pagan society where to appease a deity, to to get on the right side of a god, child sacrifice was the ultimate way you would do that. And so in Abraham's Mind, this was a completely right thing. Now, God was asking him to do this without ever the intention of Abraham following through, all right? So Abraham goes, yep, God's spoken. I've heard from this God who is relatively new to Abraham. And, and so off he goes. He takes, he takes Isaac and animals and servants, and off they go to this region of Moriah, all with the idea to sacrifice Isaac. Of course, if you read the story in Genesis 22, you find at the last minute, God says, right, nah, stop there. There's a ram over in the thicket. Go and take the ram and offer the ram as a sacrifice instead of the boy. What we see there is the ark of Scripture. God actually speaks in the Old Testament Scriptures and and denouncing child sacrifice. He's saying, no, 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 don't sacrifice your kids. That's a horrendous practice. And so there was never the intention in God's mind that Abraham would go through with sacrificing Isaac. All God was doing here was meeting Abraham where he was at. To appease a God, one had to sacrifice a child. Abraham goes, yes, I'll do that. And then at the last minute, God provides an animal. And so what we see there is the arc of Scripture. God is meeting Abraham where he's at, but then nudging him along this journey. It's better to sacrifice an animal than a person. And I think even now we would still agree with that. But as we continue through this arc of Scripture in the Hebrew Scriptures, in the Old Testament, we find there that God is actually not even interested in animal sacrifices either. He's just taking people on a journey. In Psalm 51 verse 17, 
The psalmist David, he says, you do not delight in sacrifice or I, or I would bring it. You do not take pleasure in burnt offerings. In Hosea chapter 6 and verse 6, God says, I desire mercy, not sacrifice, and acknowledgement of God rather than burnt offerings. Jesus said the same in Matthew chapter 9, I desire mercy, not sacrifice. When you get into the book of Hebrews in the New Testament, the writer there says that the sacrificial system of sacrificing animals as, uh, as, as a worship implement to God, if you like, that never worked. It had no power to take away sins. You get into the Gospels, into Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Jesus told people that their sins were freely forgiven them, completely apart from a blood sacrifice. He walked around, your sins are forgiven, your sins are forgiven. No animal had to die, no person had to die. God in human form was freely able to forgive people. And so in this arc of Scripture, in this trajectory of truth, God nudges people away from child sacrifice into animal sacrifice and then away from animal sacrifice into the once and for all sacrifice. When Jesus died on a cross, it was once and for all, once and for all time, once and for all people. And God right there put an end to blood sacrifices. So my first example of this arc of Scripture is blood sacrifice. The second one is the warrior God. And again, as you read through, I mean, the book of Joshua in the Old Testament, for example, is full of slaughtering. God told us to go kill this tribe and so on and so forth. And, and that's the point, right? God is meeting them where they're at. We're talking about warrior tribes, primitive people over 4,000 years ago, and God is meeting them where they're at. So for a warrior tribe, the best thing that God could do is to tell them that the people that they're in war with is, is actually on their side, okay? Uh, warrior tribes saw God as a warrior. What he's doing is meeting people on common ground, not that God is a warrior. Exodus chapter 15 verse 3 says, The Lord is a warrior. The Lord is his name. Uh, one of the translations of that verse, by the way, says, The Lord is a man of war. The Lord is his name. Now, is God a man of war? No, no, he's not. What's God doing? He's meeting people where they're at. He's finding common ground with them. We still see this, sadly, reflected in the world today. In Australia, in America, we hear people say, well, God's on our side. God is on the side of a particular political party, for example. If you're a Christian, you'll vote Republican. If you're a Christian, you'll vote Liberal because God is on our side. Maybe God's on the side of your sports team. You know, when, when the AFL's on, you're praying that your team will win. Is God interested in which AFL team will win? Is he promoting one team above another? Well, no, probably not. Probably the result is up to uh, guys doing what they should do in training, the coaches, uh, all of that working together, and, and, and then, you know, everyone kind of doing well on the night or the afternoon. Um, I hear people say, you know, well, I'm praying for my team. And I say, well, you can do that. Whether or not God will answer that prayer, I'm not sure. Okay. Uh, I have people in my church who've, who who support Collingwood. Um, I can't believe that personally, but maybe you're a Collingwood supporter. That's fine. God loves you even though you go for Collingwood, right? I have people in my church that go for the demons. Now, 
you know, I'm a Christian. I, I couldn't cheer the demons on, right? I go for the saints because they really are the team that God would support. Now, I say all of that, of course, as a jest, as very tongue-in-cheek. But these warrior tribes thought that God was on their side against other people. What we find as we look at this arc of Scripture is that God is pay, taking people on a journey. He's finding common ground with them, and then he gently nudges them into a better revelation or a better picture of what God is really like. Now, the best way for people to get to know what you're really like is for them to get to know you personally. Uh, One of the things I've loved doing this year is uh, going live on Facebook uh, every Tuesday night at 8 o'clock, Facebook Live um, and also on YouTube. And I decided to do this back in March as as the lockdowns were starting, as uh, we had to stay at home, as churches weren't able to meet in person. I thought, okay, I want to make myself available to the people of Bayside Church and really anyone else who wants to tune in. And uh, so I've been doing a live Q&A every Tuesday night. Sometimes I have a special guest and we have a discussion on various aspects of faith and life and the Bible, etc. Other times it's just me on my own. Sometimes it's my wife and I together. And we share some really kind of personal stuff as well as part of our discussions on that night. Uh, A few weeks ago, someone commented about a family member who has Alzheimer's. And uh, I was able to relate to them and I shared some stuff that I went through with my mum who passed away from dementia around about four years ago. Uh, She was diagnosed with uh, dementia about five years before she passed away. We started seeing some early signs where she, she couldn't remember to do certain things that she'd always done. And of course, this horrible disease started to progress um, she, every time I, I, all my family live in Perth so every time I would go over to Perth and I saw my mum I would see her less of a person than she was the time before finally she was admitted into a nursing home she needed 24 hour care and I went in to see her and she often didn't remember who I was there was one morning that I walked in and she was in bed by this time and she, she turned and she looked at me as I walked through the door and she said hello Rob And I walked to the bed and I said, Mum, you remember who I am? She says, yes, your dad. And I immediately went back to being her husband, which I told her on a frequent uh, basis that that was very awkward and uncomfortable, but she didn't get it. Um, One day I said to her, and I I realised that she didn't have long to live, and uh, I said, Mum, you're going to see Jesus soon. And she said, oh, that's nice, dear. When's he going to pop in? And there was these kind of funny moments and, and also some very sad moments. She eventually passed away. And I was able to share some of these things uh, with those who were tuned in to that Facebook Live Q&A on that particular Tuesday night. I've had people say to me from me sharing some of my personal life stories and experiences, I've, I've heard people say to me that I, I've, I've, I know you more than ever now. I feel closer to you. I feel more connected to you and to Christy and to Bayside Church than ever before. Now, I find that amazing because we haven't been able to meet in person, but what we have been able to do is actually spend more time together. And so it's been wonderful. The best way for people to get to know what you're really like is for them to get to know you personally. And it's the same for us with God. And that's why my text today is so wonderful, because it talks here that Jesus being the Word 
or the expression of God. And this word, this expression of God became human. God was made flesh and he made his home among us. I wonder if you've ever had a dish called chili con carne. Uh, it's it's kind of it's a minced dish, isn't it, with um, with veggies and and there's a lot of chili in it, of course. Hence the name chili con carne. Um, con is uh, a Spanish for with, and carne is this the word uh, that means meat. So chili con carne is literally chili with meat. I would like to suggest to you that Jesus is God con carne. He is God with flesh. Uh, we have the Latin word incarnare. At this time of year, we talk about the Christmas story as celebrating the incarnation. It's the time when God was made flesh. As the Bible says, the word, this expression of God, came into the very world that he created, but the world didn't recognize him. The thing is that, that the nation of Israel particularly, they were waiting for a Messiah, but they didn't recognize him because they were expecting him to look like somebody else. They were expecting him to turn up as the warrior God, and he didn't. God was different to the way that people had always thought of him, so they didn't recognize him. I've had that a lot over the years. I've been in radio uh, now for, oh my goodness, over 30 years. I started in radio when I was 18, and I've always loved radio. But one of the fascinating things that happens, of course, is that people only hear you. They don't actually get to see you. And so on a regular basis, I would have people say to me, oh, you don't look like I imagined you. And uh, most of the time I just went, oh yeah, people say that to me a lot. On one particular occasion, I made a mistake. I asked a question. I said, oh, that's interesting. So what did you imagine me to look like? I wish I hadn't asked. They said, well, by the sound of you, I thought you were kind of short, fat and going bald. I said, oh, thank you so much. I never asked that question again. Okay. So I thought, well, one out of three is right. Okay. I'm kind of tall and skinny and bald, but that's another story. And so people had imagined me to be a certain way, but then they met me in person and realized I was different. And it was the same with Jesus. They had always imagined God as a warrior who wanted blood sacrifices. They were expecting this warrior Messiah to turn up to lead Israel, to defeat the Roman Empire, to defeat the Roman forces uh, with horses and chariots and and to lead Israel to victory. What they got was something very different. They got a servant riding a young donkey rather than horses and chariots. But Jesus came to show us what God is really like. In John 1.18, it says, Jesus has revealed God to us. And so we can know what God is really like by looking at Jesus. Over this summer break, I would encourage you to, if you've got a Bible, open it up. If you haven't got a Bible, go and get one and start to read the Gospels, the first four books of the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and read them, read those books with one thing in mind, to ask yourself, what's Jesus like? How did he interact with people? What did he say? What did he not say? What did he do? And by looking at Jesus, you find out what God is really like. So what is Jesus like? 
Well, there's one verse that we read earlier, John chapter 1, verse 14. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness. Isn't that a wonderful picture that Jesus shows us of God? Unfailing love, that is kindness. The fact that Jesus gave himself towards others. That word, unfailing love, in the original language means to always lean towards people for their own personal good. I wonder if that's your picture of God or is your picture of God something else? Is it the warrior God? Is it a God who's harsh and angry and legalistic and judgmental and out to get you? But the picture of God we see in Jesus is so very different. He's leaning toward you to bless you. It, it tells us there he's full of unfailing love and faithfulness. The word faithfulness means to constantly express truth in life. In other words, Jesus is the embodiment of truth. Jesus wasn't just a bunch of facts. And this is the thing we've got to be careful of. When we come to the Bible, we can fall into the trap of reading the Bible, studying the Bible, so we get to learn the facts of the Bible. As important as that is, that's not the ultimate goal of Bible reading and Bible study. The ultimate goal of reading and studying the Bible is so that we can learn what God is really like and then start to imitate him ourselves. What is God like? Look at the person of Jesus. At this Christmas time, I, I, I would leave you with that thought of, uh, of seeing God in a different way through the lens of Jesus Christ. In the person of Jesus, God's whole heart is made human for the world to see. Jesus was in the closest relationship with God, and he calls you into such a relationship too. You might say, how can I have that? Well, the answer is in the verses we read today, very simply, but to all who believed him and accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. All you have to do is believe in Jesus and accept him personally. At that point, the Bible says you are reborn, not with a physical birth resulting from human passion or plan, but a birth that comes from God. Literally, you are born again spiritually into the family of God. Can I encourage you to do that at this time? Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I just thank you for all of those who are listening to me today, Father God, as I have presented the wonderful truth of your word. Uh, I pray, Lord God, that you will open our eyes afresh to see what you are really, really like not harsh, not judgmental, not out to get us, but leaning of yourself toward us to bless us. Lord, I pray for those who may be there on a journey of discovery, of spirituality. I thank you that they've joined us today, and I pray for them that, Lord, as they look at the person of Jesus Christ in your holy scriptures, that they will open their eyes, their minds, and their hearts to you. I pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.